that's Brittany. And that's Jonathan. And welcome back to another episode of Real Time Talk, where we'll be going over um, Adventist Home. What chapter are we on? Chapter 15, chapter part two. Yeah, chapter 15, part two, what yeah. she said. Um, I believe this one is called Solemn Promises um, from the Marriage Altar. So, <clears throat> sorry. Okay, so like every other episode, we will read over some parts that stood out to me, and we will discuss them, and hopefully you will listen. Yeah, Yeah. so listen. (laughs) Okay, so let's start with the first one here. The condition of society presents a sad comment upon heaven's ideal of this sacred relation, yet even for those who have found bitterness and disappointment where they had hoped for companionship and joy, the gospel of Christ offers a solace. I don't know what I just read. Okay. So, um, essentially in this in this section, they're talking about how... Um, Most people, when they get into relationships, they don't follow heaven's guidelines. So, they end up living a bitter and miserable mm-hmm. uh, life. But even those who have gotten into a situation where they're feeling the disappointment and bitterness where they were looking for companionship and this perfect happy marriage. Um, Romance. The, the gospel of Christ can change that even after you've already made the mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the Bible, if, you, if you're in an unhappy relationship, the Bible is your only hope out. Yeah. And I mean, most basically. people will choose divorce, but... Um, Divorce is if just as if not more painful than the relationship itself. Um, so yeah. if you do go the divorce route, I would suggest using the gospel as well. <laughs> um, I, I I would I would more say like if you're considering if you're contemplating divorce, give give the Bible a shot because what do you have to lose? Yeah, at that point. I mean, if you get divorced, you have a lot to lose. Yeah. But give the Bible a shot, and you might be able to avoid that messy situation. Because I know a lot of divorced friends, and they are miserable. Really? Yep. Especially when they have kids. Like, um, Tyler. Who's Tyler? You don't know Tyler. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. And then, um... I'm trying to think of an, another one that was close with that. Uh, was it my neighbors got divorced? It's just, it's just, it's stressful on the individuals who are getting divorced. And it's stressful on everyone else. It is. I, look at your, look at your uncle and your aunt. Yeah, I was gonna say like everyone that I've seen who's gotten divorced, the people who end up in the divorce party's life after the divorce um, have to deal with this like this huge baggage that is now like they're accepting as their own at this point because even though you're divorced you still kind of have to take care of each other for the rest of your lives like there's a a legal um obligation yeah to to be taking care of each other like um i have my mom has a friend that um they're getting divorced but he is legally obligated to continue to pay her a monthly salary based on his income because she was a stay-at-home mom her whole life, so she's never had or built the skills to be able to um, to work on her own, and she relied on his income to survive. 
So now that they're getting divorced, they've agreed that he will be continuing to pay like for life. Like there's no, mm. there's no stipend. Like it's 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 an there's no end to it. Like for life, he has to pay her a salary now, because they decided to get married, and that's the penalty for leaving each other, kind of thing. Um, and I mean, they also have children, so there's yeah, there's that in it as well. But they're over eighteen, so it's it's like spousal support, as as opposed to um, child, child support. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, man, that that would terrify me if it. Like, I would like, <laughs> never mind divorce. We're gonna fix this because I'm not paying you the rest of my life if we're leaving each other. <laughs> like, exactly. That's why, like, give the Bible a shot, man. Can avoid yourself a whole lot more pain and suffering, and end up fixing the problem instead of jumping into a new relationship just to make the exact same mistake. Like but some also, people who are just like, this is my third marriage, bro. Stop. <laughs> stop. Yeah, just stay also, single. Like, it won't it will it um it won't only fix your marriage issues it'll also fix so many other things within your life or at least issues within yourself which i mean i think is a a beneficial thing to do whether whether you're thinking of getting divorced or not Mm -hmm. like there's no i don't think it can do any bad to a marriage to to study the gospel together unless one of them completely rejects it and one of them accepts it still it's still not going to do any harm okay so next one by attending this feast christ taught that he would have (laughs) by attending this i can't read today i I know i got it by attending this feast christ taught that he would have us rejoice with those who do rejoice in the observance of his statutes he never discouraged the innocent festivities of mankind when carried on in accordance with the laws of heaven a gathering that Christ honored by his presence, it is right that his followers should attend. Christ sanctified marriage when he was here. Yeah. That's pretty pretty, pretty much it. I mean, like, you go into it more, but, like, basically, as long as you're, as whatever you're doing, you celebrate in accordance with God's law, he has no issues with our festivities and celebrations. That includes... Even some things that could be more pagan, Christmas, Easter, mm-hmm. even more religious ceremonies, Passover, or, or, or Lent. As long as it's you have a, a healthy portion of modesty and you always try to relate it back to God's law and try to give glory to God when you can, he would, he'd, be, he'd be fine attending, uh, coming to your house for, you know, a Christmas dinner or, you know, coming to you know a nice tastefully done new year's uh party or whatever so yeah keep that in mind okay i don't have much else to say on that you pretty pretty much covered it all yeah yeah (laughs) okay um that's why you married me (laughs) is that what you tell yourself (laughs) it's like there's no place like home there's no place like home okay Marriage ceremonies are made matter, made matters of display, extravagance, and self-indulgence. But if the contracting parties are agreed in religious belief and practice, and everything is consistent... I'm waving at the dog. Okay. And everything is consistent, and the ceremony be conducted without display and extravagance, marriage at this time need not be displeasing to God. So, I get, like, like we just said, as long as it's glorifying God... Um, he has no issue with it. 
glorifying God and like um, I'm always going to talk about this later in the book about uh, economy is as long as you're not wasting precious resources that could be dedicated elsewhere because God has given you everything time money energy if you're not wasting those resources he has given you and could put them elsewhere then yeah I'm not saying not to get the 900 to three thousand dollar dress all right but don't be going for some 20 to 30 to fifty thousand dollar dress and like and then also have a thirty thousand dollar event and thirty thousand dollar event some people go up into like the six figure events they go into debt for life because of their wedding and they're miserable so try to focus the ceremony Try to focus more on the ceremony and less on the event. Yeah. And then you'll have a tasteful wedding. And, I mean, also make sure that you're focusing on the fact that it is a marriage celebration as mm-hmm. opposed to a wedding day. Um, I find that's something that people forget a lot. They focus for an entire year of being engaged on what they're going to do, how they're going to look, what they're going to eat, and all the, the little details about the day of, but then forget about the fact that they have to spend the rest of their lives together now. <laughs> Like, they, they don't do the premarital counseling. They don't talk about um, things that they they may have never talked about before this. Like, yeah. and things are, what is, it's um, wedding day blues are a real thing when you spent an entire year planning this one day and then the day's over and on the limo ride to your hotel room, you want, you just want to cry because you're like, I have nothing left. Like, I have no more purpose because you, you just, it's all done, gone. And it only took a day. That's why you don't need. You should never overhype yourself. Um, yeah. I think I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Oh well, not important. Okay. Um, I mean, I know for us, we focused a lot more on our marriage than we did on the wedding day, mm-hmm. and like, I'm really glad we did that because, like, we still, even though we did that, we still had like the first week after we got married was kind of weird because we were kind of. adjusting yeah it was just it was an odd feeling and it's like you know it's not all happy perfect all the time and yeah it's not as like hyped up as as people say it is yeah so so don't hype it up like the wedding ceremony should be tasteful and should be enjoyable um your uh, honeymoon should be relaxing and enjoyable as well well, after that, there's a lot of, like, getting used to the fact that, like, okay, now there's this other person in my life, and we have to decide on everything. Well, not yeah. everything, but at least, like, at least, like, 80% of things together. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can't just go and just do this because you want to or because you have money to. You have to, like, wait, do I need this for something else? So there's, like... They let you, each other know mm-hmm. of every purchase, every decision, every... Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, you have to you have to mentally adjust the that new reality of like I have like oh I need to consult uh, the spouse before I say yes to things. Because normally you'd be like I'm my own independent person. Well, guess what? You're not your own independent person anymore. Mm-hmm. You're now two very joined people. Yeah. So especially when you only have one car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that does that does. Uh, so that makes Maybe. literally all our plans completely intertwined all the time. <laughs> all the time. Even if we had two cars, it's still nice to... Yeah. And it will make, I guess, your, your relationship smoother if you always still discuss your plans. Yeah. 
Marriage is not just dating while you're... With, dating in the same house. Well, dating with papers. <laughs> okay. Next question. Statement, sentence, quote, whatever. Okay. There is no reason why we should make great parade or display, even if the parties were perfectly suited to each other. Very true. That does not mean you need to have, like the dollar store wedding where you know you got like that tuxedo shirt from the dollar store and you just you know hot glued some beads onto some cheap walmart dress and went down the aisle if that's what you can afford there's no problem with that okay but even to the wedding that christ went weddings back in israel were relatively extravagant compared to today's standards Mm -hmm. they would feast for several days yeah like a wedding was like a you took time off work it was like a holiday. You, you went and you did not expect to leave for at least like a week. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that, you know, is different. So like, it's not like he's sitting. It's not that like Christ it frowns upon uh, a little bit of um, indulgences. It's when it goes too, too far. When you could have used that money to help yourselves out later. You could have used that to put to tithe and et cetera, et cetera. Like... But also, it, there's there's a fine line between glorifying God with your marriage and Him mm-hmm. blessing it, and making yourselves the the item of worship for that day. Yeah. Um, because you you spend so much money just to look good and to be fancy, and then you're like, it's my day. No one can tell me anything else, and like, but then you completely forget that um, God God can still tell you things to do. Like, yeah, it's still about God more than it is about you, and. Although I completely agree with the fact that, like, if your mom was like, I want you to do this, and you're like, no, it's my wedding day. I get that. But when it comes to God, there's a fine line where you can you can cross that line of um, this is too much of a display of the couple, and it's no longer about the union of the couple and God. It's just about the two individual people. Mm-hmm. And that's all, it's an easy thing to fix. Just have a talk with your officiant. Uh, and uh try to bring a little bit more ceremony go and you know dive into scripture and you know go look at some other christian weddings what are some other things that you'd like to implement some people do you use sand in jars some people use the knot tying some people have bibles there some people do foot washing some people there's so many other things you can add to make it more uh more ceremony based that way it actually like it's more meaningful you have less blues afterwards because like you ought to wear the dress but then have a meaningful service afterwards maybe Mm -hmm. a little charge or something like that so for for us i mean like um a lot of the traditions like the knot tying and stuff like that like those are they're very pagan based ceremony sections um but at the same time you can make those pagan things into a godly thing like what we did is we used like the viking tradition of exchanging swords Um, we did with bibles because yeah yeah the the word is you know, the word of God is like a sword. And yeah, so we exchanged big brain ideas. Our our Bibles and took that that pagan um, tradition of like and put a Christian twist. twist on it. Yeah, and then we also did um, foot washing. And I mean, if you're not Adventist, then you probably don't mm. know about foot washing very much. But we did foot washing like Christ did in Matthew. The Last Supper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Another thing you can do, like, if you want to do more of a cultural, uh, bring some more of your culture into your wedding, you can do that. Just remember to remove 
more of the culture and put more of Christ into it. So take the elements that are cultural and put a very Christian, Christ-centered twist on it. Mm-hmm. To like, if you have to wear a certain dress code or you have to do a certain, uh, I don't know, dance or ceremony or like symbolic thing, put a Christ-like twist on it to make it more meaningful and to bring Christ closer into your marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's there's no way why you can't have your culture and Christ in your 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 marriage. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So next quote. Next one. In the marriage relation, there is very there is a very important step taken: the blending of two lives into one. It is in accord with the will of God that man and wife should be linked together in his work to carry it forward in a wholeness and a holiness. They can do this. Bomb the builder. Can we fix this? Uh, can <laughs> That's we all. fix it? No, we, yes, we can. With <laughs> Jesus. Christ the builder. <laughs> he fixes. Um, Jesus be like, no. <laughs> You're too far gone. You fix it. Christ will never say that. No, he'll um, be just like, no, here's the hammer. You fix yourself. <laughs> here's the Bible. Um... Yeah, so we talked about, like, the blending of the two lives into one a second ago. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, this part. Um, the will of God is that man and wife should be linked together in his work to carry it forward in a wholeness and a holiness. So marriage isn't just about, you know, we have sex on the wedding day, and then we continue to have sex for the rest of the, the whatever, and we share a home, and, you know, we have kids, and, like, just, like, that basic thing. There's, yeah, there's more to the marriage, because... If you're, um, I guess, more aware of how the marriage is related in the Bible, it's referred to as like the marriage institution in some churches, where it's not just a, you get married and then you're married. It's a marriage institution. It's like a, an institution is usually referred to as schools, okay? Like marriage is the foundation of a school for your family school for you as well where you guys grow together you work together it's like it's like a job it's like a school it's also a church at the same time it's everything in a community in one household well and it, it's also the the blending of your your ministries mm-hmm. so if like you know and the creation of new ministries yeah absolutely and and you know the, the work that you did for god before you were married as individuals now comes together and you you do a whole different work for God where your ministry is now through your family and your marriage but can can affect so many other lives other than just the two of you um, as long as you see it that way and, and mm-hmm. you take the marriage as a call to ministry as opposed to just a call to stay home and now I've found my person and I don't need to go anywhere anymore. <laughs> Um, God wants the home to be the happiest place on earth, the very symbol of the home in heaven. Yep. So make it make it so. Okay, we're gonna talk a lot more about that later on in the book. She is uh only goes into a lot of detail about how we are supposed to act, how the wife, how the husband, how you're supposed to be like around your kids, etc. Mm. So like it's only like we're gonna get really deep into that aspect but 
home should be something that like when you say the word home it just brings back memories and just makes you feel all warm inside it's a, it's a place of comfort mm-hmm. if 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 you say the word home and you don't feel at peace within yourself something you, needs to change something needs to change and and it's not the physical building or no, the way no. your um, home decor is she even talks about home decor in this thing like, mm-hmm. listen she covers everything guys like yeah wait till we get to the home decor thing a lot of you interior decorators are you you know people who are like i love my house to be all show home like you're gonna get a slap in the face <laughs> all right so if you're listening to this as um a parent or newlyweds or soon-to-be parents understand that home is something that no matter where you are no matter what situation you're in no matter how far you have fallen home should always make you feel warm and cozy on the inside so try to make your so try to make your home warm and cozy your mom always says you know our home is your soft spot to land and um I mean, if you think about it, when you're in, in immense distress and you're like, the, the the only thing you want is for Christ to come back and bring you home. Like that, that's how I see it in my head. If I'm like freaking out and I just, I'm done with life. That's, that's how I say it in my head is I, Christ, I want you to come back and I want you to take me home to heaven because there won't be any bad things there anymore. And obviously we live in a sinful world, so our home will never be absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. but the comfort we seek when we're trying to go back to heaven should be the comfort that we can symbolically get by going home to our family. Mm-hmm. And like Ellen White said here in She'll Say in the Future, our homes are supposed to be a glimpse of heaven. Mm-hmm. So whatever heaven looks like and whatever you think heaven should feel like when you're there, your home is supposed to be like that clean, tidy, welcoming, warm, food, good company, Mm -hmm. and surrounded by God. That is what your home should be. Yes. A place where you feel God in every room, no matter how Mm -hmm. you're feeling. Not all the walls match, or you have the most expensive brand of paint on the wall, and your, you know, your crown molding is like a hundred dollars a piece, no one cares. (laughs) <laughs> no one looks at crown molding. <laughs> I look at crown molding. It's funny to see how many, like, what people try to hide with crown molding. <laughs> okay. Marriage does not lessen their usefulness, but strengthens it. A lot. Of it people, should. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people nowadays, they say, you know, like, like as a joke, but also kind of with, like, partially in truth that, like, marriage is a trap. And that a man is no longer a man once he gets married. You know, he's he's a husband at that point. He's no longer, he can't do the things he used to do. He has to cater to his wife all the time. And it, like, it makes it look like such a... Like, it's a burden. And yeah. marriage shouldn't be a burden. It should be, um, it should change you, but you shouldn't be changed. All right? You should still be the same person, but you should be just an elevated version of that person with more responsibility. You should become wiser with marriage. Yeah, and you're blending together, right? So the both individuals become a strengthened version of each other within each other. Yeah, and you shouldn't have to 
stop doing the things you love just because you're married or seeing the people you like to hang out with just because you're married you might not be able to see them as often you might be able only to see them like maybe like let's say you hung out with uh your friends every other night you might only be able to see them once a week or once every other week because you have responsibilities you know but you should never stop your significant other from being them and still being able to have their own identity absolutely but i mean there's also the the aspect of like once you're married sometimes you have to take into consideration that there are some people that you hung around with that may not be good for your spouse so it like mm-hmm. you, there's there's that responsibility as well but i mean like let's say you, you you used to play paintball once a week and like that was your favorite thing to do and now you're married that doesn't mean you have to stop playing paintball once a week bring I your mean, wife with you bring your husband with you yeah i mean you, shoot him shoot you, her you might have Builds to character you might have to like stop for like maybe a couple months so that you guys can get adjusted to your new life but you get back into your routines so that you don't feel like a completely different person and then yeah. you, you have nothing to look forward to because you don't even know who you are anymore and develop new routines like find new hobbies in common mm-hmm. but like yeah next okay this is a long one and now broke up into like three parts what is it broken up into three parts broken up into three that one but we're here ah okay and now i can at this time take by the hand this our brother and we take by the hand you his wife and urge you to carry on the work of god unitedly i would say make god your counselor blend blend together as we said previously put god the center and marriage is an institution it's like a job it is like a school it is like a church and your ministries blend together but also the development of new ministries because you now minister to each other as husband and wife yeah and then when you have kids you're ministering to your kids your kids are ministering to you yeah like it's the the work of god doesn't subside once you're married it becomes much stronger Mm -hmm. yeah i think it was your dad that said that in his prayer at our wedding where he said you know um i pray that um the amazing things that they both did individually will now become even better that they're together. Okay. The first year of married life is a year of experience, a year in which husband and wife learn each other's different traits of character as a child learns lessons in school. In this, the first year of your married life, let there be no chapters that will mar your future happiness. Yeah, so if you notice something, things that we're learning now, if you notice something that could potentially make things more difficult in the future. Address it now. Yeah, that, that's the word I was looking for. I was like, target. That doesn't sound right. right? <laughs> Address them now. Try to start the dialogue as early as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, try to resolve the conflict. Try to find uh, ways to at least start on a path or like get, you know, get things moving. Because if not, it's just going to be pain in the neck later and on in life when that's when you discover and you're like wah, 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 wah. my best advice for any newlyweds is try to make sure that you uh, you create a good communication routine and pattern mm. between the two of you within the first year make sure that you guys can communicate about things that are bothering one another or like just basic mm-hmm. communication 
and make sure it's a strong foundation within the first year. And make sure it's one of those things that like doesn't matter what it is like you could have killed someone, you mm-hmm. cheated, you still should be able to come to that person and be like I did this. We need to talk about this. And, and although then, that might not be easy, there at the, least the, the fact that you guys have that sense and that it can be addressed quickly instead of being like I'm taking this to the grave. One thing that like I like to do is if I know that like I can, if I can see that John is feeling something where he's you know, he's anxious about how I'm going to react to something that he's going to say. I like to be like, okay, I'm putting on my objective hat. Like, I'm going to try as much as I can to not take this personally. John's making a hat with his hands. It's <laughs> the objective hat. But, you know, like, you, as a wife, sometimes you do have to, you have to put this barrier in front of you that says, okay, I'm not going to take, can you, I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> where's, um, the, where's the fun in that? So, you know, as a wife, sometimes you have to take that step of, of saying, you know, I'm going to um, not take this personally, even though what he could say could be absolutely 100% personal, but you have to look at it objectively so that you can understand how he's feeling before you express how you're feeling. Mm. Because sometimes, like, how you feel isn't going to change the fact that he feels like that. So yeah. address what he's feeling first and vice versa. Like I was about to say that, like, little guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, like. Just because it seems like she's um, annoyed with you or saying things that, you know, are directly targeted at you, just... Take a second and be like, yeah, she, she loves out. me, we're married for a reason, and we're both of us against the problem as opposed to mm-hmm. her against me or me against her. I remember listening to one comedian and I thought it was hilarious, which is like, whenever they start arguing, they start taking their clothes off. <laughs> because, what? yeah. Whenever they start arguing, they start taking their clothes off. Like, if we're going to have an argument, we're both naked. And he's like, listen, I cannot stay mad at her for very long after that point. <laughs> and then she keeps wondering why I keep starting stuff. <laughs> so, like, you can develop different things. I'm not saying, I'm not recommending for everyone to just start stripping down when you're having an argument. But strip down emotionally. Yes. If you actually, if, if you need to do, to argue while being physically naked, to understand that you need to be vulnerable with each other, to be able to have a, a, a sincere discussion as opposed to a, a, a fool's argument, then then do it. Like, Go for it, man. Strip down and try to tell each other how you really feel when you're vulnerable like that. And then if you, once you get to the point where you no longer need to be fully naked to do that, you can be emotionally naked with each other in a way that you have never been with anybody else but yourself and God. Mm-hmm. And ladies, just be patient with your guys. Yes. <laughs> you hear that resentment there? That's that's her learning to be patient with me. It's so. not with every guy, but most men within our society are taught to, to suppress their emotions and women are taught to understand their own emotions. And then when you get married, you almost have to... You have teach. a very imbalance where one person is... Overly in tune with their emotions. And one person is just like, what are emotions? The other person is like <laughs> feeling upset and you're like, what's wrong? And they're like, I don't know if I'm angry, sad, happy, I want to puke. Like, I don't know. There, there's things happening and I don't know which one they are. So I'm just going to say angry. <laughs> it's like, I feel things. What things? I don't know. Feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, as if, if that's the case within your marriage, like the taking the time to teach each other how you cope with things is really important because um i mean you decided to marry this person you have a responsibility now to impart your knowledge on that person 
in a respectful way. Yes. Um, don't be like, oh my goodness, how come you can't feel your emotions? Obviously, you're feeling sad because blah, blah, Like, don't be rude. Like, don't be a Becky or a Karen. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean Becky's or Karen's out there. <laughs> but, but also not sorry. <laughs> but don't, yeah, don't, don't shove, like, you know, you have to be patient with them. It, it's, it's no offense to you, my love, but it's, it's almost like teaching a child how to understand their own emotions. Yep. And, and for us, we have decided that we will teach our children how to deal with their emotions from very young because I don't want our kids to ever have to deal with that growing up. Well, they're probably going to have to deal with it with them and their spouse, so. Yeah, we're going to teach them. They're going to be the overly in tune one and their spouse is going to not know, so. <laughs> At least we taught them. The non-existent children that we don't have yet. No, we're going to teach Moses. Teach he's, dog. Yeah, he's gonna get a. Where's the? Th- where is he? I think he's, he's right lying there. down over there. Okay. Okay. So next one, my brother, your wife's time and strength and happiness are now bound up with yours. Your influence over her may be a savior of life unto life or of death unto death. Be very careful not to spoil her life. I mean, that is that's a very directed towards men. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I'm going to tackle this one. It's one of those things of um, when you have a, a really strong, independent uh, person marrying a more uh, reserved, weaker, uh, quieter person. All right? You'd have a lot of guys back in those days who would, were strong and laborious, and they'd do all these things, but then they'd marry such fragile women, and then always be like, we're going to do this, I need to do that, da, 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 I need you to do this, blah, 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 blah. And exhausting her strength by like, we're going to have like 13,000 kids, you need to do all the laundry, you need to do this, I'm going to go work this field, I'm going to go do that. But he's strong as a horse and she's just like, I'm tired after just opening my eyes. <laughs> so, everyone's talking about like, listen, don't sap your spouse's strength in a relationship. If you've married someone who happens to be, you know, not dealt the best hands of towards health or, you know, physical uh, strength, then you just have to be patient with them. And she talks about this later. Invest in the things that will make their life and their work easier. Mm. If you have, let's say, guys, if you have a wife who is a lot more frail, invest in the appliances that will allow her, that will help her to do the things that she wants to do. If she's going to be a stay-at-home mom, all right? Ladies, if, you know, your guy is always coming home tired and exhausted, invest in the things that when he has to fix things around the house or when he has to do go to work and do these things and that, those things, that'll make his life easier. There's no problem with investing in things, investing in yourself, as long as it's a wise investment. Yeah. So that's more of the physical side of it. From what I got from that was more of a, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a person that did like a mini sermon where they're talking about how um, within a marriage, if your wife isn't praising you and respecting you as a husband, um, the, you have to ask yourself, am I loving her properly for her to need my respect? And it's like this constant cycle, right? If she's not respecting me, I'm not going to love her. If I'm not loving her, she's not going to respect me. But there's also the fact that as the man you're the head of household and your responsibility is to love the wife enough for her to respect you the way that you need to be respected and you're the one that has to be the bigger person and take that first step if this cycle is happening 
So don't spoil her life in the sense of if she's not treating you the way you want to be treated, you're like, I'm not going to give her anything back. You as the man have to take that step for from the for life to life for life to life or death unto death like it's you have to take that step to to make sure that her her life is going well so that she can make sure your life is going well and if you don't then you're spoiling her life and yours interesting <laughs> it's like two completely different uh views on the same things <laughs> yeah cool <laughs> okay um, I mean, that's why we both do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, hungry. Okay, well, let us... toast after this. Okay, can we, we finish this? Because last sure. time we didn't finish it. Oh, yeah, we're going to finish it. Then we'll have some toast. Okay. Okay, my sister, you are now to learn your first practical lesson. <laughs> why did you start this? Like, my sister. I like, you're like, let's, like let's, let's go, ladies. Let's, let's That's stop. how it's written. There's a comma. My sister. And then, okay. My sister, you are now to learn your first practical lessons in regard to the responsibilities of married life. Be sure to learn these lessons faithfully day by day. Guard constantly against giving way to selfishness. Let me tell you something. That is something that is so, so easy to fall into once you're married. Selfishness. You, yeah. You, especially as a woman, for some reason. Like, I get it's into... It's hard for guys, too. Okay. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> so, to, to, I get into these things where, like, you know... Um, like, John obviously didn't have a good day, but he doesn't take the steps to make me feel loved. And then I, I get into this, like, oh, well, he's not treating me properly, so what's going on? And I get into this, like, he's making me feel, he's making me feel, he's making me feel. And it's all about how he's making me feel that I don't even take a second to go, well, why is he making me feel like that? Am I doing something to make him act like that? And falling into this selfishness, that can be in literally every aspect of your marriage. It can be in your sex life. It can be within like your daily chores. It can be mm -hmm. anywhere. And honestly, within your sex life, I think is the most dangerous. Yes. If you go into sex thinking, I want him to make me feel good and that's it. You're like, I, whatever, it's just a plus that he feels good at the same time kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. Or it's a plus if she feels good or it's a plus. It's a bonus if she finishes. That's not something that you should go into your you should, relationship. You should both thinking. go into everything together thinking, I want to make his life better than it was a second ago. And I want to make my husband happier and the husband... <laughs> You're the one who's doing it. I'm expressing my feelings through my hands. Okay, there, I'll do the Italian thing. That yes. Better. <laughs> uh, anyways, so... You know, as a wife, you want to make you want to go into everything, making sure that you are addressing your husband's happiness and same the other way around. John is laughing yeah. at my hand right now. That's <laughs> yeah, funny. So the uh, same the other way around. Husbands, you want to go into everything, making sure that you're going into it to make sure that your wife comes out happier than she was before going into it. Whether mm -hmm. that be your sex life, your home life, anything. You want to be focusing on the other's happiness so that you're both fulfilling each other's happiness. If one of you is selfish, it breaks the entire thing. It will it will ruin your relationship. Yeah. And degrade it faster than than you'll think. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of times when you know when you think of the and this is why a lot of people think that marriage is a trap, especially a lot of guys are like marriage is a trap is because there are sometimes when people end up with selfish partners and that partner's like, no, you need to spend all your time with me and you can't have even you need to delete this person off your Instagram or whatever. Not saying Or you know, that. you can't take this job because it you're you're not home enough. Or like yes. 
you know, you can't follow your dreams because you you're not spending enough time with me. Yeah, that that selfish greed will break your relationship and it will be hard and a lot more work to go and put it back together after it has been mm-hmm. compromised like that. Once trust is broken, it will never be the same. Yep. So just, just don't tr- don't break it in the first place. <laughs> I thought you were going to say just don't trust in the first place. <laughs> that's, no problem, that's so. what came out at first. That's not what I meant. <laughs> don't break the trust in the I was first like, place. I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally woke here. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> emotionally broke right now. Okay. Um, okay. In your life union, your affections are to be tri- tributary to each other's happiness. There you go. See exactly what I just said. Each is to minister to the happiness of the other. Yep. There you go. I just literally just talked about that. Cool. Okay. Next. Okay. This is the will of God concerning you, but while you are to blend as one, neither of you is to lose his or her individuality in the other. God is the owner of your individuality. So yeah, like we were saying earlier, never lose who you are. You know, as, because as you then together, don't become a, 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 a perfect copy of yourselves. Don't become you. a gooey mash of two people. It's like where you're pretty much identical twins. Mm. Right. I mean, to be fair, that happens no matter what. People start to look like each other over the years because they have the same routines and stuff. But Yes, but at the same time, you should still hold on to those aspects of individuality. You're never going to become a tree person like I am. No. You're never going to start like, I maybe should go for my ISA. No. no. You know, I'm never going to become the insurance, you know, you know, brain guru that you are. I, <laughs> she talks about brains like, you know, your brain does this. And I'm just like melting on the inside like, eh, information overload. Okay, so hold on to those things, those hobbies, those, uh, those quirks that make you guys unique. Because, because those are... unique things is why, is what brought you guys together in the first place and what makes you you and what makes God want to be able to use you to do whatever. He also, wants a screwdriver and a wrench, not two wrenches. But the, he doesn't want two identical wrenches. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, God provided those those quirks and those p- things that make you individuals. He made you that way so he could use you in his plan. So if you blend into the other person, he was like, I didn't make two Jonathan Hardys. Like, that's not what my point was. Or two Brittany Barlows. Yeah, that wasn't my point. Like, I made Brittany Barlow different from Jonathan Hardy so you could work together like puzzle pieces, not like Play-Doh that you mush together and is now one gross brown color. <laughs> What's wrong with brown? <laughs> Nothing. You're a beautiful shade of brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't you forget it. Uh, but when you had, like, bright orange and bright purple Play-Doh, and then you mix it together and you're like, it's going to be beautiful, and then it's brown. You're like, oh. Well, like grayish green. Yeah. Nasty. Okay. Next. No offense to anyone out there who's grayish green. Uh, I mean, if you are, you might want to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the wife is to respect and reverence her husband, and the husband is to love and cherish his wife. That's exactly what I was talking about earlier. Yep. As, as a wife, our job is to respect and reverence our husband as the head of the household. And... Yeah, so many people are like, eh, I'm not going to my husband. I'm not, we're not going into that right now. If your fault, if you are, then you shouldn't be getting married then. Because marriage is a divine institution. It is a divine ceremony. Why are you participating in something if you're not going to follow 
the statutes and the rules that were laid out for marriage. It's just like Sabbath and church. You can't you can't sign up for something and not follow through, especially something that requires such commitment between three parties. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if you're going to get married, if you're going to follow in what God has, you know, set for certain people who want to get married, then you need to do <clears throat> you need to do all the things. All right? And that includes submission and guys, you need to love like there is no tomorrow. So that submitting is not painful. It's not a burden. It should it should be like a yeah, I submit to him. Why wouldn't I? It, it really, he loves me so much. It, it wouldn't like, even be like like for me and within our marriage, there's no question of me submitting to you because it doesn't feel like submission in the worldly sense of it. It just feels like I'm agreeing with my husband. Yeah. You know, like we we got married because we agree with each other. Like yeah, like submission should me should be more like he just happens to be the tiebreaker in yeah. decisions and arguments or well, not arguments you shouldn't be a tiebreaker in arguments but in decision in decision in making this, in large decision making where neither of you can make the decision it, it's his job to make the decision and more often than not if you have a relationship where you're both doing the things that you're supposed to within the marriage the husband will make a decision that is the best interest for the family mm-hmm. because he is supposed to be the head of the spirit not just the physical he's also supposed to be the spiritual head of the household and therefore supposed to be a representation of how christ leads the church and be closer to god in that aspect so his leadership is supposed to be blessed therefore he's supposed to make better decisions in theory in theory yes let's just so one thing i do want to add with with this with this quote here is that Men crave respect and reverence when uh, even as boys, that's what they that's what they crave within um, interaction with people. They crave to be respected in society. Yeah. And by especially by their wives. That's the one. If no one else in the world respects them, they want their wife to respect them. And for women, they, they will they will love someone who does respect them. They find someone who starts to respect them at the beginning. They're going to they're going to want to be around that person even more just respecting who they are as a person will build will start to build that relationship and they'll start to want to love that person or they shouldn't want to start to love that person if not they're just scum but they should want to love that person because they respect them so it's like a yin and yang kind of a thing you know one feeds the other well and the thing is is that with with women although we do crave respect to an extent Respect is not the first thing on our mind when we are like what when we crave certain things. Well, you know, when you're lonely, the thing you crave is to be cherished loved and, and loved protected. and 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 reminded of how much you are worth cherished. in this world, which is what cherishing means. Um, and, and you know, if the husband is capable of doing that for you, then you automatically respect them. So, and that's why earlier I was talking about you know if that that cycle is. N- like the woman isn't being loved and cherished and she's not respecting back it's the man's job in that section to put his pride in his pocket and love and cherish so that she can in turn respect again yeah okay so last one unless you have no okay men and women at the beginning <laughs> so annoyed with you i know yeah but you still love me yes can i read now maybe men and <laughs> Okay, men and women at the beginning of married life should reconsecrate themselves to God, which I personally, I believe that the marriage ceremony should be so much of a glory to God that it is 
as well as the union of the two of reconsecration to God as one. Yeah, reconsecration doesn't mean to be rebaptized. It just means you need to re redevote yourself. Yeah, to whatever you're redevoting yourself to. In this case, God. Yeah, and I think like within your marriage, you know, in your your marriage, I think personally, I think within your marriage vows, there should be something about how you're you are devoting your new your new life together to God. Mm-hmm. And if you're already married and you haven't devoted your life to God, well, guess what? Like, you can you can redo your vows and do and just add in and then reconsecrate yourself to God when you redo your vows. But also, you don't even necessarily need to do it as like a, a celebration where other people are watching. Yeah. You could literally be sitting in your bed, hold hands, pray, and reconsecrate your your marriage to God. You could do that. You could yeah. literally be sitting on the bathroom floor. It doesn't matter. Like, God, I mean, it would be a little bit more reverent if you want. If you. I'm just, I'm just curious, like, why you be on the bathroom floor? Why, why are you just sitting there like, ah, we got no chairs. Let's just sit here. <laughs> Out of all the places on the bathroom floor. I don't know. At least sit on the tub, man. On the <laughs> toilet, maybe. But, you know, it, it, it's, um, God will accept your recommitment to him at any time, any place. Mm-hmm. If it's in accordance to his you know, will, and his law, he, he will, will accept, accept it. it right away. So that is everything for part two. Um, We will see you next time. Next time for chapter 16, which is um, a happy, successful, a happy, successful partnership. Yay. Okay. So um, if you have any questions, feedback, anything like that, topics that you want us to go over, anything. Talk to Brittany. Did you say taco, Brittany? I said talk to Brittany, not taco, Brittany. (laughs) I was like, I'm not a taco. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, anyways, you can email us at info.lessonsforyou at gmail.com. That's all written out. So, info.lessons, L-E-S-S-O-N-S-F-O-R-Y-O-U at gmail.com. In Um, case you didn't know how how to spell. Just in case. You never know. We're also on Instagram at realtime underscore talk, Facebook at realtime talk podcast. You had to spell it out, man. No. <laughs> and then we're also on YouTube where we do uh, weekly Sabbath school lessons for the cornerstone lesson when John feels like it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's hey. only been two weeks. I had my wisdom teeth taken out last week, so he didn't feel like it. Yeah. Um, and what else do we do? I think that's it. That's it for now. Okay. So, yeah, you can reach out to us on any of those. Send us a message. Send us an email. Um, Yeah, stay in school. Stay in school. Stay in school.